Welcome into another edition of Designated for Assignment. Josh Goldberg here for another week. And uh, it's a little like old times, firing this uh, recording up pretty much right after the Blue Jays capped off a weekend series victory over the New York Yankees with a 5-1 to one win. Good road trip all in all. I sat here last week and said, you know, going 3-3 three and three at least uh, is what was necessary. You wanted to win uh, at least one of these series. Yeah, it would have been great to have taken four of six. You had an opportunity against the Astros, didn't get it done. But, you know, taking two out of three against the Yankees, who I believe lost a series for the first time uh, this season, and you you really had a good opportunity to sweep that series. You know, we'll get to some of uh, the stuff that maybe prevented that from happening. And uh, obviously some of the good stuff that has happened uh, over the last week. And, you know, it's topical. It just happened. Uh, Let's get into Kevin Gossman, who was, you know, if there was any doubting him uh, after he struggled against the Astros, you know, giving up, what was it? Seven runs uh, in that first inning, you know, shame on you for doubting him. He deserves lots of benefit of the doubt. Um, And, it was especially impressive, I thought, against the Yankees that he was so good. I didn't think his velocity was that great. I, I didn't look that closely at it, but I didn't see it when he's really reaching back and and has it. He can hit 98 and, and routinely touches you know 97, and I didn't see a ton of that. I don't think it was cold or anything uh, in the Bronx, and... I look, yeah, he averaged 93.5 with his four-seam fastball, which is down uh, 1.3 miles per hour uh, in terms of the year average. He was averaging uh, 1.2 miles per hour less with his splitter, and he threw six sliders and was down almost a mile an hour in terms of his average velocity. So you know, his max, max velocity on his fastball was 96.1, which is not that high for him. You're just You're expecting more. But he was so good. You know, he had that fastball going at the knees that I think uh, is a really important pitch for him just to keep hitters honest because, he, you know, he likes to throw it up in the zone and then change the eye level with the splitter that just tunnels bottoms out. But if he has that fastball, it just kind of keeps hitters uh, betwixt and between a little bit and, and guessing, and it just gives him another look to throw um, at hitters. But you you look at his numbers now um, as a member of the Blue Jays against the Yankees. He's made five starts since the start of last season against the New York Yankees. He has a 1.38 ERA, 34 strikeouts, two walks in 26 innings. And it just, it's really incredible how good he is at limiting free passes like he just doesn't walk guys even when he's not at his sharpest he still finds a way to not give up those walks like uh, in in 31 and two-thirds innings this season five starts he's got 41 strikeouts which is really good five walks last year he had 205 strikeouts and 28 walks and 174 and two-thirds innings he's just he's gotten better like even in 2021, he only walked 50 guys in 192 innings. He's just so good. He's so around the zone, but in a way that he's hard to square up. It's really impressive. And, you know, I, I think coming into this season, a lot of people already probably looked at him as the best pitcher on the staff, myself included. And, you know, a month or so into the season, three plus weeks, whatever it is, uh, he is undisputedly 
the best pitcher on the staff. And all of a sudden, it's a pretty good looking rotation. I, I believe it's now five straight quality starts for Blue Jays pitchers. A week, 10 days ago, that was something that we would not have expected to say. And right now, like Alec Manoa had a huge bounce back on Saturday uh, against the Yankees. It was vintage Manoa. It's exactly what you're um, used to seeing from him and accustomed to inducing soft contact, really good sliders to to right-handers, excellent down and away, really good stuff. Uh, his sinker was really good. Threw some good changeups. Uh, he threw a really good changeup. I think it was to Willie Calhoun. Best he's thrown this season. Not such an important pitch for him uh, against lefties. And in the first couple of starts of the season, it, it was no secret that there were some mechanical issues. He kept slipping, it seemed like, on the mound. And that was, I think, just a microcosm um, of where he's been sort of just overall. And there was none of that on Saturday against the Yankees. He was just really sharp from the get-go. And unfortunately, uh, he didn't get the win because the Blue Jays didn't uh, find a way to produce enough. But that's a really encouraging start for him. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that whatever was ailing him is just magically gone. But like I said this last week when he had struggled and really struggled uh, against the Rays, that I wasn't sounding any alarms, you know, it didn't look that much different than it has in the past. The mistakes were just more pronounced and he was making more of them, but his velocity hasn't been down and it just seemed like a a tweak or two here or there would be something that, you know, he could make and would be able to figure things out and and get it back on track. And after Saturday start, uh, obviously I think we're all feeling a lot better um, about what, he might be able to do moving forward. And then, you know, looking at the rest of the rotation, how about you say Kikuchi, man? Unbelievable, this guy. It's like in your wildest imagination, would you have expected you say Kikuchi uh, in back-to-back starts against the Rays and the Yankees? 12 innings, eight hits, two runs, 12 strikeouts, only three walks, couple of wins, couple of quality starts. He struck Judge out. He handled Judge all night in in that first game. He was really good. Um, And he just hasn't, you know, there have been a couple of times where in the past, I think it was in the second inning uh, against the Yankees on Friday night. Like in the past, last year, you look at what happens. He gets a ground out from LeMahieu, a ground out from Peraza, gives up a home run to Cabrera, single to Higashioka, walk to IKF to loop the order back around. So you're just thinking you get a couple of quick ground outs, you're feeling good, and then seven, eight, nine, bing, bang, boom, homer, single, walk, top of the order comes back up a second time, and you're just saying, uh, well, I've seen this happen before. He's um, unraveled plenty of times here in the past. And is this going to happen again? And then he figures out a way to bear down and get Volpe. You know, he falls behind Volpe 2-0 and and then finds a way, throws a pretty good slider on a 2-1 count to get a grounder. And then he basically didn't look look back from there. He gave up one hit the rest of the way, and it was quickly eliminated on a double play. And otherwise, he faced the minimum. Um, well, he did face the minimum over his final four innings of work. And... Again, I I still think we're probably at a point where it's just 
are we really saying that this is what we're going to get from him? Maybe. I still think it's a little bit too premature for that. I, I, I'm much more encouraged, much more optimistic um, than I was, you know, two weeks ago, even after that angel start, even though there was some, some decent stuff uh, involved there. It just, it feels different. You know, he just seems to have more confidence and I don't really think outside of like May last year, I think it was, he really didn't have confidence at any point of the season and now he does. And it'll be interesting to see if there's a bump in the road, how he responds, because there hasn't really been all that much adversity outside of that angel start. He's been really good and there hasn't been that many molehills, minefields, anything of that sort that he's had to navigate. So I will be uh, fascinated, honestly, to see how he responds to um, the first bit of adversity. But so far, so great. It's been uh, honestly shocking. That's that's really uh, the best way I, I can put it. And uh, Barrios, we'll get to now as we kind of run through the rotation here, uh, was really good against the Astros. S- same sort of thing. You know, in that start, he was going along fine and then ran into some trouble and then gave up a hard hit ball there uh, to score two runs to, I think it was Jake Myers on a four-seamer. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I've seen this story uh, play out before. This isn't great. And he rebounded really effectively. Um, When it comes to him, Barrios, I'm still skeptical because of the four-seamer, I, I just have a hard time really getting in on a pitcher who just has some issues and some inconsistencies, let's say, uh, throwing that particular pitch. But he has looked good two, two straight times. His slurve has been excellent, really good weapon for him to use, seemingly in in all sorts of different counts. Like he was super efficient. He only threw 77 pitches in seven innings to get 21 outs. He averaged 11 pitches an inning. That's exactly what you're talking about in terms of um, pitching deep into a game, not taxing out your bullpen. We saw that uh, far too often from him last year. And, you know, you, 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 I, I, I just, I, I look at it and I'm encouraged. Definitely. Um, but I'm still cautious when it comes to him and, and hoping that, you know, he can, he can find a way to be more effective, uh, with his four seamer, but, uh, two straight starts against really good teams that he has more than handled himself. Uh, and that's hard not to be, uh, excited about. So, so good stuff from him, you know, Bassett, I think any early season concern has sort of gone away as velocity has gone up and, it's been what it was last year, especially in the regular season from Chris Bassett. He throws everything at you. You never know what you're going to get in a particular situation and a particular count and a particular at bat against a particular hitter. He keeps things really interesting and it's hard for opposing hitters to really square him up because you just have a hard time knowing in a certain spot what he's going to throw and it just keeps you off balance. So he's done uh, a really, really good job rebounding after that uh, that that first, I guess, start and a bit against uh, the Cardinals, and then obviously also um, against the Angels. So, so really good stuff from the rotation. Uh, good stuff that uh, you hope can really be a building block going forward. It's much less of a concern um, than it was 
a week or two ago. And, you know, other stuff that really stood out, like how about Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you know, before the series saying that, I wonder what happened. Like there's some issue, some animus towards the Yankees based on something they might have done to his father. And I wonder what that might be. Um, But he clearly does not like the Yankees. And I don't think that this is just something that you know might go away if they are prepared to throw a bunch of money at him if he becomes a free agent like i actually truly believe that he hates that team and that franchise and would never play there so that's the kind of thing that uh blue jays fans are obviously will just eat that up no problem you know you can never have too much stuff like that your star player uh trying to dunk on um one of your hated rivals and then continuing to just get it done hitting a couple of home runs his slugging percentage, his OPS at Yankee Stadium continues to be uh, through the roof. And it's really encouraging that um, instead of not being able to to do it and, and perform in the face of a lot of scrutiny and pressure and whatnot, um, he's gone the other way and done that and delivered in a, in a big weekend series win. He was one of the major characters um, in getting the job done. So full marks um, to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Dalton Varsho hitting a home run on Sunday, much needed. He has really struggled. I think he only has two extra base hits over the last couple of weeks, but you know, he still brings defense and base running to the table that, you know, even if there've been some bad at bats and there have, you know, some three pitch strikeouts where he's not close. He looked at three pitches from Clark Schmidt in his first at bat and uh, didn't swing at any of them. And it just was an indicator that he was fighting it. And then he sees Schmidt, I, I think it was the third time, and hits one into the upper deck. So really encouraging. Hopefully that can be something he can build on because that's the type of swing I think Blue Jays fans, and obviously I think the Blue Jays themselves envision when they acquired him, getting the hands in, pulling a ball, hitting it high, hitting it far for a home run. So uh, one one day, I guess, you need more of that, but that's a really encouraging sort of building block potential uh, for Dalton Varsho. Um, I guess on the on the negative side, uh, George Springer continues to have a really slow start outside of that five hit game uh, on opening day against the St. Louis Cardinals. He has really struggled. He is hitting under the Mendoza line. He went 0 for 5 in the series finale. He has he has 13 hits, I believe, in 85 at bats since opening day which is really not good he has hit three home runs he has stolen three bases he does have a a walk-off hit against the tigers which is also good but i'm not worried you know i somebody tweeted me move him out of the leadoff spot no way like if george springer's upright i want him leading off and you, you look at some of his underlying numbers i i i sometimes hesitate with this sort of stuff and how much is bad luck and how much is not like, I think George Springer's process and his approach and his plan has still been by and large, very good. And yeah, you know, he's his hard hit rate and his average exit velocity are low, but his max as exit velocity is very high. He's not swinging and missing that much. He's not chasing a ton. I just, I look at it when he makes hard contact, it's still very solid. Like his expected slugging percentage is higher than it was last year. It's in. It's higher than it's. Uh, it's seventy points higher than the um, major league average for ex- expected slugging percentage. I'm not worried about George Springer. He's going to get hot. 
if he continues hitting the ball hard like he did this week, you know, he hit one hard against the Yankees that unfortunately was caught. Um, he, or rather the Astros when the bases were loaded, he had a bunch of deep fly balls against the Astros that resulted in fly ball outs. George Springer will be okay. Uh, it hasn't been great so far. I'm not saying anything to the contrary, uh, but it has been, um, nothing that really alarms me. Like I don't look at it and say, oh, well, George Springer's lost his bat speed and, you know, George Springer doesn't have it anymore. I'm, I'm not remotely at that point. So I would just hold steady with George Springer because uh, when he gets going and it's not an if it's a when I really think that the entire lineup is likely to get going as we've seen a number of times here over his first two seasons and change when he is hot, the rest of the lineup sort of seems to follow suit. He's a real metronome uh, for this ball club. Like when he's good, the team is really good and the lineup is really good. And I don't think it's, that much of a coincidence that things have been somewhat inconsistent offensively in the beginning of the season because, you know, George Springer hasn't had that signature type of run that we've grown accustomed to seeing from him. So when that comes, I would say look out because I really do think that the Blue Jays um, are going to go on quite an offensive heater uh, with him leading the charge. Uh, One thing that I I really did want to talk about and, I honestly don't really know what to make of it um, at this point is Matt Chapman's defensive numbers. And, you know, sometimes this stuff data can be kind of noisy when it comes to defensive metrics and how much stock to put in them or how little stock to put in them. But you look at his outs above average, um, according to StatCast, it's in the third percentile and he's been about average in terms of defensive runs saved at third base. I don't, I think he's a zero right now at defense at, uh, in terms of uh, defensive run saves, which I look at it and you know, the eye test tells me that maybe it's like, there was a ball on in the ninth inning on Saturday that got hit to his left. And it's a play Matt Chapman has made to some extent, whether he knocks it down or he goes and gets up and makes the throw and gets the out, but it got by and it allowed uh, a runner to advance from uh, second to third, which obviously ended up coming to score the winning run. It wasn't the reason they lost, but it just was interesting to me because it was a type of play Matt Chapman has made so many times in his career. And last year, he made a bunch of really good plays. His outs above average, he was in the 72nd percentile, which is really solid. And I kept thinking, you know, maybe is this the hip issue? But in 2021, the season after he had hip surgery uh, on that torn labrum, he was in the 99th percentile and won a gold glove. So I don't really think that's it. And he's going to be 30 later this week. But Nolan Arenado is 32 and is still the best arguably the best defensive player in all of baseball and certainly the best defensive third baseman. So I don't really know what to make of it. You know, Matt Chapman still makes more plays than most third basemen. That's just how good he is, but something just hasn't quite seemed all the way there and and quite right so far um, in the early portion of the season. And I just wonder, you know, how much is there? Like, I still think that my eyes tell me, 
a bit of a different story than what some of the metrics are saying. Like I still don't look at Matt Chapman as one of the worst defensive third basemen um, or, or, or worst defensive players relative to, you know, how Satcast ranks outs above average and, and who they're taking into consideration. But it, it there's certainly, I think some credence that maybe there just isn't quite the same level of impact that there was, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. And that might be uh, sort of expected considering it's a little bit older and the hip stuff, but I- I'm going to be keeping a close eye on it because uh, it's really interesting, I think, to see. And, you know, if he has the reputation, if it doesn't improve or the numbers don't improve, like, does that impact how he is seen as a third baseman on the free agent market. I think if he hits, it's not going to matter, but if he cools off, which he sort of already has, you know, after a good start in Houston, he had a tough weekend um, against the Yankees. His numbers are still really good and I'm not really worried about him at all, but I I will be interested to see if teams, um, how they evaluate what might be happening with his defense. If the, some of the numbers don't, rapidly and and drastically improve um, when it's all said and done uh, at the end of the season. I got a bunch of tweets. We are going to get to them uh, coming up. Uh, Somebody wanted to know uh, what the story is with Nate Pearson and when Nate Pearson might be up here. Like we, I think it was two weeks ago. We talked, uh, Caitlin and I talked about, you know, teams not wanting to get rid of players that don't have options early in the season. And nothing's really changed from that perspective. You know, like Adam Simber has really struggled this season. He struggled on Sunday, gave up a home run to Rizzo, gave up two other pretty hard hit singles. And you look at that type of reliever and I'm not taking anything away from what Adam Simber has done since he became a blue Jay. That's one of the better trades of the uh, Shapiro Atkins area, like Joe panic for Corey Dickerson and Adam Simber masterclass. And he, I believe tied for the league lead among relievers and wins with 10 and appearances last year was over 70. He has a rubber arm. And when it's going well, he's inducing soft contact and he does a good job with that arm angle against lefties. But so far that hasn't happened. Uh, He's given up a ton of hard contact. He hasn't had really any clean or easy outings. It's been a grind, but I don't think I'm sitting here and saying like DFA, Adam Simber. It just every time a fringy reliever has a bumpy outing, it's well, get rid of him, DFA him. Like Trevor Richards early in the season, DFA him. And I suppose I see where you're coming from. That's the, you know, passionate fan sentiment that really keeps us all going. But that's not how teams operate. They, if they operated like that, you know, some of your favorite players would have been traded uh, after 15 games. And you know, Trevor Richards has really righted the ship after some inconsistencies early in the season uh, with his command. I still look at him as a lower leverage guy. I don't think that walks and a propensity to give up home runs is a great fit for leverage spots, but his role is what it is. And he fills it, I think, relatively well. He racks up swings and misses when he commands his fastball. He's very good. And more often than not, he's been very solid. Uh, this year. So I think we're in a holding pattern when it comes to Nate Pearson. Like, I don't think we're going to see Nate Pearson up here that soon. And there might be an element of risk with a pitcher with his injury history dominating um, 
in AAA, do you want to waste that? You know, you never know what could happen. But I, I again, I, I just don't think teams really operate like that. And they're not going to make a move unless, you know, something happens. And I still think Zach Pop is the most likely candidate to get optioned when, you know, Mitch White comes back or if there's a situation where they feel like they need to make a move. I, I think it's likely that Zach Pop is the guy. And he's been really good. He had his first kind of blow up. He gave up four runs um, against the Astros, but I didn't think he was even bad in, in, in that outing. He got two quick outs and then you know, some good hitters made good swings on good pitches. Like I didn't think he was missing too badly. I thought his command was good. I still am really high on Zach pop. He's still been racking up a ton more strikeouts, which is really encouraging uh, for a pitcher with that level of velocity and movement with a sinker. Um, I'm not, I would rather not move off Zach Pop, but unfortunately, I, I maintain this from a couple of weeks ago. I think he's probably the most likely guy um, to go uh, if they are needing to make a move. Uh, another thing on, on the bullpen before we get to some tweets and some other stuff, uh, Jordan Romano's throwing a slider a ton, 68% of the time early in the season. And like I've always thought that when his fastball is really good, he's unhittable and you can tell pretty much right away in an outing whether he has confidence in his fastball and this year he hasn't for whatever reason he uh, I'm pretty sure the hit to LeMahieu was on a fastball walk off uh, on Saturday hopefully he gets that back because you know big league hitters as devastating as his slider is big league hitters if they're seeing that you know approaching three quarters of the time like he did it against the Astros. He threw 14 of 15 pitches were sliders and he got four outs and a couple of strikeouts. I think he's good enough that he can probably still have a relative level of success, but um, I would like to see more fastballs. And I, I wonder, you know, how that goes uh, in, in the next little bit, like how much he starts relying uh, on it moving forward. I do have to get to the Anthony Bass stuff because like he had a bad week for a number of different reasons. Uh, on field performance has been lousy. I would say he has not been good. He has been getting hit hard a ton. He has a 7.36 ERA and whip over two. Um, a lot of his metrics are not particularly encouraging. Um, his slider hasn't been as good. His sinker has just been routinely getting torched. A lot of disconcerting stuff. I, I'm not, again, People were saying DFA Anthony Bass again. I'm not doing that because I, I still think that there's value um, in what he can bring to the table. But like he didn't do himself a ton of favors with that uh, whole tweet situation. Like, even if you think there's some truth to what he said, I just really wonder what the mindset was tweeting that and thinking that the reaction was going to be overwhelmingly positive, you know, shaming um, a flight attendant. Like I, I, I have no idea exactly what went on there, but the the messaging doesn't come across as great, and it's particularly magnified uh, when you're struggling. So, uh, not a good week, I would say, for Anthony Bass. And uh, you know, the Blue Jays need him to figure it out sooner rather than later because he was looked at as an important piece of this bullpen coming into the season. And he's quickly found himself in mop up or low leverage spots. And uh, the blue Jays very much need him 
Because right now, like Swanson's really dependable. I still don't really have any issues with Romano, but Jimmy Garcia has given up a ton of home runs. You know, he got burned on Saturday for a two run shot. It was a Yankee stadium special, but still um, he's given up a, a couple of home runs. His home runs per nine are ugly right now. Um, there's not a lot beyond really two guys that you feel really great 10 times out of 10 about. And uh, that's still somewhat of an issue. Like I, I don't have probably the same degree of worry or alarm about the bullpen as plenty of other people do, but that ratchets up if guys who you were counting on to be contributors and important parts don't pull their weight. So uh, certainly would like to see Bass get it going um, a little bit. And a, a quick word before we get to uh, some tweets, uh, Brandon Belt finally had a big game, you know, hit a, hit a home run, hit a big double. This is why, like, there's, you know, he struggled on Saturday in the game following against Garrett Cole. I, I'd probably give him a bit of a pass there, but that's why you don't cut bait on guys after 35 at bats or whatever it was, 10 games. Like Brandon Belt still has, I think, moments in that bat. And, um, I'm not as married to the idea of just playing him against every righty. I still would this early in the season. The leash is shorter, but Brandon Belt's showcase that there's still plenty there um, that can be of value and of service uh, to the Blue Jays. So it's certainly very good to see him be a star in a big win in a big series uh, against a big rival. So good to see uh, from Brandon Belt. So I, I put out on Twitter basically you know, what stood out to you in the early going positive uh, or negative and uh, got a few tweets. Uh, Simon said, uh, did they trade the wrong catcher? The team is now built on speed and defense. Kirk is the outlier and made at least three major league, uh, major howlers, base running and two drop pop-ups. Moreno has had a decent start to the season. Maybe, maybe they did, but don't you think that they valued Moreno and maybe the Diamondbacks weren't making that deal um, with Kirk in it. Like maybe it's possible we'll sit back here in six months and say that, yeah, that trade's already looking like a loss, but it, it's just, it's too early. And I still think that Kirk has way more positive value than negative. Yes. Is he the slowest player in the league? No question about it. He is a liability um, on the base pass. Yes, he has dropped a couple of pop-ups. Not ideal. Really good framer of the ball. Does a really good draw- job stealing strikes. You know, low pitches. He does a really good job with those. You know, Danny Jansen doesn't as much. They kind of balance each other out in that regard. But I still think that there's way more positive uh, to Kirk's game than there is negative. So I would still sit here and say, no, they didn't trade the wrong catcher, but there are mitigating factors to why Moreno was the one to go and, and Kirk wasn't. Who's to say they didn't try and trade Kirk and you know, the deal was only happening uh, with Moreno, but appreciate that uh, from Simon Raps uh, tweets in Schneider's pen usage, runners in scoring position, of course, though I think some more home, home games will help. I don't know if, this is 100% the case, but the Jays have only played six home games to start the season out of 22, and that's got to be the lowest in the league. And I'm looking right now, and the Mets have also only played six 
and they're tied for the fewest home games in the league. So, you know, you look at a 13 and nine start to the season, a 591 winning percentage with 16 of the 22 games on the road. That's definitely very uh, encouraging. I think, you know, this profiles is a team that is likely to be very good at home. They got a big home stand uh, with Chicago and then a rematch against Seattle uh, this week to you know, do some damage and get things uh, really going, maybe go on a little bit of a streak. But, uh, you know, the runners in scoring position, that stuff tends to normalize. Like I think even into May last year, it wasn't until, I think it was a late May series against the Cardinals. They were woeful with runners in scoring position. And like their batting average as a whole with runners in scoring position hasn't been that bad. I looked earlier today, I think it was in the high 250s. It's particularly with two outs and runners in scoring position that they're right now historically bad with runners in scoring position. That kind of stuff normalizes. Like if you're a good offensive team and a good uh, hitting team, that stuff tends to even out over the course of a long season. Like I just, I, I don't really buy that, you know, a good team can just be terrible in one or two particular spots. Like if your offensive numbers are there at the end of the season, odds are uh, you're going to do some damage with runners in scoring position. So I'm not really that worried yet. You know, the Penn stuff on Saturday, pulling Manoa after, after 85 pitches, I, I do get where some critics might be coming from. On the other hand, like it's seven innings. He's been needing a confidence boost. I don't know if I really hate it that much. And going to Garcia in that situation, Garcia has been a real big guy for you over the last year. And yeah, it's been uneven to start the season, but you need Jimmy Garcia to be what he was last year. And you got to go to him in situations like that as a high leverage guy hasn't worked out so far, but I'm not going to beat up going to him. Yeah. Maybe do you go to Swanson instead? Sure. But Garcia is looked at in the same light as that type of pitcher of Swanson that you trust in a multitude of different situations against a variety uh, of different hitters. So like there have been some, some head scratchers. Sure. But I'm not, you know, after 22 games really sitting here and saying, you know, John Schneider has been really egregiously bad on the whole. I think he's been fine. I I haven't really had a huge issue with it. Um, I wouldn't sit here either and say that he's been pushed every right button, but no manager does. So that's what I say uh, about that. John says he's impressed so far with uh, Kiermaier from both a leadership and performance standpoint. Absolutely huge boost you know, we saw he made a play on Sunday, dove for a ball, got by, you know, I'm okay with that. Kevin Kiermaier thinks he can make a play on a ball, go for it every time. And then he ran down uh, a tough play in right center field, made it look routine. You know, he brings so much uh, to the table. Varsho has been better than I thought in the field and running the bases, but he is exactly what I thought he would be at the plate. I think that's probably true. This is on the low end of things. He's been really cold, but I think he's a streaky hitter and he'll get hot. Bullpen is the weak link. Romano seems to be a one-pitch guy slider. We talked about that. Um, Yeah, I think the bullpen, I'm still okay with it. I think it's still about average. Could you use an infusion of more wicked stuff and and more um, swing and miss? Yeah, every bullpen could. I think we'll probably get uh, Nate Pearson up here sooner than later. But uh, 
I'm okay right now for the time being with the bullpen. Um, I'm okay with it. And then uh, we got one from Tyson. What do the Blue Jays do with the bullpen when Mitch White is healthy enough to return? Pop has options, but has been performing better than some of the other relievers. We talked about this. I, I just think that short of Simber and or Richards being just an absolute tire fire train wreck, which, you know, Simber is, he's not quite there. Like he didn't, he gave up a run against the Yankees on Sunday, didn't blow it and finish the game. So, you know, like that's a positive until it gets really noticeably worse. I, I just don't think that uh, those guys are are likely to go, you know, a Simber, a Bass or, or a Trevor Richards. I, I still think it's probably going to be Zach Pop, uh, unfortunately for myself and a lot of other people who have liked by and large, what Zach Pop has brought to the table, I think he's the likely one to go if you're in a situation where you, there's a bit of a numbers game and he has multiple options. So uh, that's what I would say uh, about that. As always, appreciate all of your comments, tweets, love the interaction, love engaging with you uh, as much as possible throughout this long season. And a big week ahead opportunity to make some ground some headway uh in the standings the rays never lose i think they're 13 and 0 at home so you know you can only do what you can take care of your business we're not at scoreboard watching season yet it's april 23rd but uh three against the white Sox. the mariners haven't exactly been tearing the cover off the ball to start the season good opportunity for the blue jays to uh put put some wins together string together a couple maybe go on a little bit of a streak and uh do some uh, movement uh, up the standings because uh, the Orioles are also off to a really good start. I don't know if I believe that they're that good. They've played really nobody of consequence, but you know they're taking care of business, which is what the Blue Jays need to do uh, against a team like the White Sox. As always, thanks for listening. Subscribe, like, rate, re- review the podcast wherever you find it. At DFA underscore pod is where you can find it. At Jay Goldberg 12 is where you can find me. As always, we appreciate it, and we will talk to you next week on Designated for Assignment.